Hello Football family, and welcome to this mashup of Huddle Up Films and One Winning Pod, talking about our Red Star players coming up in this draft. Jason, thanks so much for having us on your channel to do this show. We're like super excited about it. Our first collaboration with One Winning Pod here, One Huddle It Up Films. I see Jeremiah W. already in the chat. Hello, my favorite channel. Thank you for joining us. And not much uh, advertising on the YouTube end, so hopefully people find us and filter in. But we'll also be live streaming here or collaborating, be on the One Winning Pod pod. So, Alec, thank you. Peter, Chris, thank you guys for joining me. Kirk, Kirk Caldwell in the building already as well. Hey, Kirk, what's going on? Always love uh, interacting with uh, Kirk on YouTube or Twitter, by the way. Uh, follow all these guys. Alec, take it away, buddy. Awesome. Well, we kind of wanted to do this as like, the last part of our drafts content. And in a way, like the beginning of Jason's, you know, he put out a few videos about um, different prospects. But we're going to start kind of getting into the players we really like in this draft. This is mostly going to be about players we like at their value, like where people think they might get drafted and how they might be a really good fit for the Ravens and what they're looking for. And then we also have, of course, um, we want to talk about, about players that were lower on than consensus and like don't want to draft in this episode. That may be, be conversations for future videos from Jason. We kind of discussed that already in our previous shows. If you want to go back and listen to our offense and defensive uh, recaps. So yeah, I guess like we'll get right to the meat of the draft we won't keep you waiting we'll jump right into wide receiver and uh kind of go through our needs at, from there so jason who you got who you liking at wide receiver i like a guy from houston i actually like a guy that i'm taller than i like a guy <laughs> that weighs about as much as i do and that is nathaniel tank dell now i saw some of your other picks on this and tank dell wasn't taken so i had to take tank dell and i'm going to bat for this man uh, the most amazing feat in this draft, the best feat, I'd say, comparable to Garrett Wilson from last year. Um, I'm looking on my board, and I have him as a second rounder. I have him sitting there at number 57 with the stars. As a matter of fact, I'll copy and paste my board. Go to my YouTube channel. You can find my board as well. But what I like about Tank Dell, even at his size, he's got 30 touchdowns. One of them is a kick return touchdown, by the way, or punt return touchdown. Uh, so this guy's fearless. And with his red zone uh, touchdowns, that amount of touchdowns for a receiver that size, it just goes to show you how quickly he can get open and be a friendly target for his quarterback. Uh, you also have the fact that if you blitz him, if it's third and goal from the six and you blitz, uh, Tank Dell is going to be open, first one open, easy six points for him. Uh, Yak, um, new offensive coordinator, talked a lot about finding space, creating space. This is a guy you want to get the ball in his hands with space. So I don't see Tank Dell as a deep threat. The reason he is my starred player on this board is I've seen a lot of the mocks out there, and I know you guys have too. And uh, he's going fourth round, fifth round. I'll just wait and get Tank Dell in the fourth or fifth round. And I don't think that that's the case. I think when you have an alpha skill like he has, which is his feet, the lightning quickness, the lateral quickness, the yards after the catch, the red zone threat that he is, I see him going end of the second beginning of the third so how about you chris do you have a, a receiver that you like yeah i was just gonna say i think tank Dell's really interesting i mean i think it's one of the he's one of those players that the ravens wouldn't traditionally draft in a greg roman offense um you know we just really haven't many players like that but um you know with the new offensive coordinator coming in i, I think that that could be an exciting piece if you want to build around um you know something new we haven't seen before so 
Um, yeah, he's definitely been interesting. I've seen a little bit of film on him. Um, I know one guy we talked about in our offensive uh, draft picks episode. Um, I didn't even look at wide receiver, but I just kind of noticed him after looking at some quarterback tape was uh, Cedric Tillman. I know he's uh, Alex guy as well. Bigger body, um, definitely in that mold of uh, receiver. I think, you know, I think a lot of Ravens fans for a long time were like, you got to have that big body receiver and go up and make the catch. Um, like I said, I was looking at a lot of Hendon Hooker film to just kind of evaluate the quarterback class. And, uh, you know, the receivers, I think, at Tennessee just kind of stood off the page. And Tillman, I think, in particular, just a guy that, you know, I was like, wow, like making tons of plays, um, just stacking up guys and, and, and winning at the point of attack. So I, I would love him. Um, I, I know like he's probably not in the you know solid first round uh, pick uh, range, but I, I feel like he's been getting a little bit more love recently. He might be in that you know late first, early second kind of thing. I'm not sure if the Ravens are going to be able to target him, depending on like where that range is. But man, if he were available and the Ravens really wanted to get him, like I think he'd be a good fit for the room. Awesome, Peter. P- Peter, uh, oh, go ahead, Alec. Yeah, I was going to say, Peter, <laughs> who you got? Man, there's a couple guys I could talk about, but, you know, I, we see Jeremiah W. in the uh, chat right now talking about Hyatt, asking what we think about him. And, you know, I've gone back and forth on him, but I think where I am right now is leaning a little bit towards my first impression of him, which is like that I think if he's used properly in the NFL, this guy could be like Mike Wallace-esque. That's the first player that I thought of when I looked at his tape. And I get what everyone's saying about the scheme. You can see it. I understand that they did some things in Tennessee to kind of give him, you know, a little bit of an easier look at some time, give him some space off the line. But, I mean, you can't argue with the production that he had in the SEC last year. And there's also some of the games he had, particularly against Alabama, against that strong competition. Um, He made plays. Now, yes, he is a little slight, six foot, 175. I don't remember how big Mike Wallace was. What I saw him listed was about 200. Now, I can't remember if that was later in his career or when he first came out. But, you know, I think that play is there. And, you know, we got Todd Monk in here. And look at what he was able to do in Tampa with the deep threats there. Uh, unlocked Perryman. I'm pretty sure he was the first to really uh, get Perryman any production in his career. Uh, Deshaun Jackson uh, had some strong stints there. I think that complimenting a healthy Bateman and Odell Hyatt could be a guy who could really stretch this offense if used properly. Um, I, I do hear some of the arguments against him and, and yeah, the, his frame does scare me a little bit as far as like durability and will he really be able to, you know, be physical and, and separate, get space for himself if he's pressed by a corner, but um, there's some tantalizing speed there and big playability. And I wouldn't mind seeing the Ravens uh, take a pass on him if he's there at the right value. Yeah, definitely. And like we said earlier, you know, Cedric Tillman is definitely one of the guys I identified early that I really liked. I really liked his just body control. Um, I, I, I'm pretty confident in his ability to translate his skills to the next level. And uh, the other guy I was kind of interested in is Mingo. Um, Mingo is just like, it's so funny. He has AJ Brown's number school uh, and just like kind of like almost feels like a light version of him. I can definitely see him being a really productive player in the NFL. There's some people thinking that he'll go like in the fourth round and I'm just like, sign me up. If we can get Cedric Tillman and Mingo third and fourth round, I would do that so fast, get a corner in the first round. I feel like we'd be winning the draft and doing flips, you know, that uh, life's good here in Baltimore. But um, 
I will say there is an interesting contrarian take. I haven't read the full article yet, but I got an email today from JJ Zacharyson from uh, LateRound.com, being like, "Should you buy the Mingo and Tillman hype?" And I felt like personally attacked because <laughs> I'm like, I feel like the two guys I've been uh, being the drum. Uh, like the TLDR is apparently Tillman has the better like analytic profile, but he does have a red flag, uh, and then uh, there's also Mingo's production profile uh, and kind of projecting their careers. So. Uh, maybe you want to go check that out as in like a contrarian take or I, I didn't, like I said, I haven't read it fully yet. So maybe uh, it's not totally contrarian. They, there's still like a, obviously a path where these guys could be great, but um, yeah, I, I really like those guys a lot and I'm definitely going to follow their careers no matter where they go. Yeah. Love Jonathan Mingo. Also want to say what's up. My, my good friend, coworker. I consider him almost, Simply AS10, best highlights in the business. Check out Simply AS10 on YouTube. Uh, again, he's just the best at what he does, and I hope he gets a career in it selfishly. I hope that's what he wants to do because I'd love to see his work for a team like the Ravens. Um, but when it comes <laughs> to Mingo, you know, I feel like a piece like that had to be written, Alex, because Mingo's just been climbing and climbing and climbing. And, you know, he was starred on my board, but I'm almost ready to take the star off of him as one of my favorites because. I had him this high early, and it seems like everybody's coming up to it now. I mean, when he ran a 4-4 something at the Combine, I think that really opened people's eyes. They, they saw his size. They saw his build, the long arms. Like, when he lines up, you look at him. You don't have to look hard to find him. You're like, where's Jonathan Mingo? There he is. Yep, that's him. And he's wearing the same uniform as everybody else. He just looks different in it. And uh, But, yeah, he made some unbelievable catches. You'll probably see Simply's highlights of him. Once he's drafted, catching the ball on other people's backs, uh, excellent ball tracker, excellent length and shoulder flexibility for him to be able to grab it, box people out. And I'm going to kick it to Chris on this. Uh, you know, a lot of people label Mingo a big slot. Okay, well, he, that's all he can do. But I kind of like his releases off the line of scrimmage. I wouldn't say they're like really fast or great releases or extra creative, but he's just so strong. So he doesn't have to release as quick or as get some separation on the line as much as some other guys to be able to get where he wants to go. Yeah. I mean, I'll say I haven't watched a ton of his films, so I, I won't be the expert here, but I mean, I'll say like, you know, if he's got the physical traits, I mean, I think at the NFL level, you know, teams are going to move you around where you, you know, have the mismatches. Right. So that's a one, one thing I guess to keep in mind as well, when you're scouting a lot of these players out of college is that whatever they did in college doesn't mean that's what they're going to do at the NFL level. Right. I think a lot of it is like their tape might look really good, but if they don't have the physical traits, they're not going to translate to the highly physical NFL, right? But sometimes like you do look at the physical traits and you're like, okay, well, those I can build off of, but you kind of have to build up all that through coaching, right? So, I mean, I, I wouldn't worry about that too much just in terms of like, you know, where is this guy going to be drafted? I think if, if he's got that, uh, the physical traits, I, I think it's going to be fine. Yeah, definitely. And I agree, Jeremiah. There's no way he falls to the fourth. I'm, I'm starting to wonder if he even falls to the third, you know? So yeah. we'll definitely have to. I think those, are, those mocks are, are still living in a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago, land yeah. uh, before people got uh, hip. So you know, talk a about bit like uh, Pickens and Pierce last year. If it yeah, well, started out as third round grades and then they made the rise and eventually were second round, as we know. Yeah, like Jeremiah said, if it wasn't for the uh, ankle, maybe if the extras are good, it'll be that. Like George Pickens, I totally can see that. It's like almost like the redemption tour. You know, we were banging the drum last year this time for Pickens, and now we're here banging the drum for Tillman. <laughs> yeah, very similar because I think Pickens got penalized because 
he came back and maybe didn't look like himself. Maybe it was off the field stuff. I don't know. But for me, Cedric Tillman gotten through an ankle injury and still putting up the numbers he did. Uh, to me, that only raises his draft stock because you guys know you're never 100% healthy in the NFL. You're going to need guys that can still produce when they're when they're banged up. So one of the things that endears me to Cedric Tillman out of Tennessee is uh, is his toughness, his ability to produce even when he's not 100%. For sure. Well, let's talk about guys getting hyped up the boards uh, in the cornerback room. Jason was the first one to say his name to me, and now I keep hearing the name everywhere. It's like an echo chamber. Dude, are you starting a trend? Uh, it depends on who. Last year, my, <laughs> my Trent McDuffie trend didn't last till, of course, the Chiefs had to get him, and they had to win a Super Bowl with him. But, uh, you know, nobody picked, nobody uh, jumped on that train. So who are you thinking? Is it uh, Joey Porter Jr.? No, nah, I was thinking about Mr. Forbes. Oh, very true. Very true. <laughs> I know you all see everybody warming up to my guy, Emmanuel Forbes. Um, there's just so much. I, I feel like. I have him. I scooted him up, scooted him up, scooted him up. He's number 14 on my board right now. Oh, uh, yeah. And I almost still feel like that's too low. Like, you don't usually see college prospects with those kind of eyes and then a 4 3 speed to match. So he's not just fast, he's got the instincts. Um, To be an outside corner, you can play him in zone. He's got those long arms. You can check him in man. And then everybody says, well, he's six foot, 160 some pounds. Uh, that's a disqualifier. That's not a first round pick. That is too thin. And then you watch him tackle Alec and uh, he's got some real emotion and some real want to in his tackling. He knows his body limits, um, but there's no substitute for eyes, pick sixes, NCAA record, of course, six interceptions returned for a touchdown one season. Um, or over his career, but that's just amazing. I think he had three of them last year. Um, just a tremendous prospect in Emmanuel Forbes. SEC school, by the way, Mississippi State. So he's not doing this somewhere unknown. The quarterbacks he's facing are going to get drafted too. Love Emmanuel Forbes. Yeah, three touchdowns last year as a uh, senior. Also had three touchdowns his his freshman year. Um, 183 return yards freshman year, 174 his senior I mean, yeah, that's something you look at what this defense needs. Of course, we have Marcus Williams. Unfortunately, wasn't able to play the, the full season last year. But, you know, we don't know whether or not we're going to have Marcus Peters at this time, you know, next year. And even if we do, he's getting up there in age. You know, we can't just rely on on fruit punch and, and Williams to get all the turnovers. It's not a bad idea at all to, to take a, a chance on a guy like this. And, yeah, I mean... I understand where people are coming from with the concerns about the frame, but I mean, I'm going to say the same thing that I said about, um, you know, Linderbaum last year when we drafted him for me personally, I don't really care as much what someone's physical traits are. I care more about how do you know how to use what your body is? Do you know how to use whatever it is that you are, uh, athletically? And like you said, he's a guy who, who does know that I'm glad you brought up the tackling, um, you know, I, I think that he needs to be an aggressive tackler at that size, and he is. So, you know, there's a, a lot there that is is really intriguing with him. Um, I don't know if I have him ranked up as high as you do, but certainly if the Ravens were able to get him at 22 and drafted him, I'd be pretty pleased with that pick. Now, all right, Peter, you'd be p- pleased with that pick, but let's <laughs> say you had Joey Porter Jr., your other favorite, and Forbes on the board, which one are you going with? 
You know, I think I would go slightly more towards uh, towards Porter. Um, I know that there's a lot of people in the flock who are high on Porter, and you know, I, I I'll admit I I wasn't super high on him until I got you know swayed by some people pointing stuff out of his game on Twitter. You know, a lot of people talking about him in the flock, and you know, he uh, apparently I was told by the guys during our defensive podcast <laughs> that his dad is. Uh, actually, probably my least favorite football player of all time, Joey Porter from the Steelers. Just never liked that guy. You know, I, I really am not a fan who has hate for the Steelers, but just something about Porter. Just <laughs> man, the guy. Just I don't know what it was. Just something rubbed me the wrong way with him. But um, his son on tape. I mean, he's he's physical. He's physical in coverage. You know, he hits hard. There's plenty of uh, that you see him on tape where. Um, you know, he's seeing the lane, whether it's a running back coming out of the backfield or a guy over the middle, and he's coming in like a heat-seeking missile and making a big play. Um, it, there's just so much to like with this guy. I, I like his his footwork, how he mirrors the receiver. I don't have much bad to say about him, you know? <laughs> it's just a lot there that looks like it has a lot of potential. And I feel like the hard-hitting physical play is exactly what we look for in cornerbacks with the Ravens. So, um Slight edge to me with Porter, but Forbes also a great prospect. You got a lot of good cornerbacks high in this draft. <laughs> it's yeah. really nuts. I was going to say, Chris, I know you got a guy too that you're looking at for corner. Yeah, I mean, I was just going to say, I think um, I have a feeling like where the board's going to go. I just, I, I, Porter, man, I just, I don't know if he's going to be falling to 22. Ravens would have to be trading up to be able to get him. I think the run of corner is going to go pretty quickly. Um, I was going to say, I mean, one guy who I, I, I can't tell if I'd be happy with him at 22, but I'd probably be happy with him somewhere at the end of the first, maybe even the second, depending on like a trade back scenario. Um, but Kali Ringo out of Georgia um, is, is a guy I've been kind of leaning toward of, I just think he would be a great boundary corner fit. And, you know, given Marcus Peters, you know, we don't know what his status is in terms of, you know, whether he's going to be re-signed or not. Um, I, I just feel like that's kind of the missing piece here. I, I, the thing that I guess that I don't like about Forbes is, yeah, I guess, you know, given given his body type, I'm just, I'm a little leery about him playing on the outside. And if I look at his ball skills, I'm like, you know, obviously we – this guy isn't the same in terms of ball skills, but one guy who, you know, I am a little bit excited about and I'd like to see him get more playing time. And he's also a little bit of a ball hawk is Pepe Williams. Um, and even though, so I think he's like 5'10, 185. So, I mean, he's got like 15 pounds on Forbes and everything. But, um, you know, I, I feel like if, if he can make a step up this year, like he's pretty good in the slot. He's got some ball skills. I think that kind of locks that down. But putting Forbes on the outside against like, you know, some of the Bengals receivers or something like kind of scares me a little bit. Uh, whereas like Ringo, like a little bit bigger, more physical, can play the boundary pretty well. Um, you know, if he can lock his guy down, then, you know, it kind of gives some of the other ball, uh, you know, guys with ball skills to be able to make a play. Um, but uh, but yeah, like like I said, I don't know if it's a, if a guy I would take at 22 and feel great about it just because there are probably some other really good first round prospects at that position. Yeah, and you know what? I just wanted to to add here. I mean, we've talked about a lot of. We haven't even talked about Devin Witherspoon. We haven't talked about Deontay Banks. We haven't talked about Christian Gonzalez. So when you're looking at pick 22, and this is one of the reasons I say that 
cornerback is going to be staring us in the face one way or the other at pick 22. There's going to be a guy, whether it's my guy, Chris's guy, Peter's guy, Alex guy, that we think is a perfect complement to Marlon Humphrey, uh, you know, up quarterback, cornerback one, two, however you want to phase him, but somebody capable of playing that left side, being a little bit of a ball hawk, bringing a physical presence on the strong side and, and being there. So I think if I had to say that corner would be the, the most likely pick for me at 22, just because of the dearth of talent, it's either that edge is the other group. I think that's really strong at the top. Uh, I have a feeling personally that the receivers that we want could probably be gobbled up quick like they were last year. So, um, yeah, cornerback is just a really strong group. And, I mean, think about it. We got Humphrey at what, like pick 17 or something? Uh, Peter might know. Somewhere around there. So pick 22. And that was – a that was we passed on Tredavious White to pick, to pick Marlon Humphrey at 17. So I could see a very similar scenario this year where at 22, a number one corner – uh, future pro bowlers sitting there for sure. Yeah. I love a lot of these, con- um, a lot of these prospects as well. And like you said, when you got guys like Gonzalez and Witherspoon, who you're pretty confident are going to go in the top that just pushes these guys down further where there's a chance, no matter on how the rest of the board falls, how everyone else's ranking needs, how the quarterback run goes, how, you know, will wide receiver go early that we don't expect or do expect, so to speak. But like, how many wide receivers go. There's a bunch of different um, ways that these players can get pushed down. I, I mean, there's tackles in, uh, in this draft that could likely go ahead of us at 22. Um, you know, things that we're not looking for. Maybe even like a B. John Robinson gets drafted and that, that pushes somebody back. So I agree with you. I, I can't imagine six corners going off the board before 22. And that means somebody we like is going to be there. So I'm looking at our, uh, our document here. And I had next up interior offensive line. So, Jason, this is the part of, I'm really looking forward to hear what you have to say. Who do you got in the interior? Who do you have as a maybe potential guard to come in to uh, challenge Cleveland, challenge, you know, whoever the heck we end up having play guard this year on the uh, left-hand side? So I think the guards are properly ranked uh, where I have them on my, on my board talking about maybe one sneaks into the first, uh, beginning of the second. You'll see Osiris Torres. You'll see Steve Avila come off the board. Cody Mock will become sometime probably in the second round. Um, but the guy that I'm high on is actually a college tackle, and he's from right here in the state of Maryland, Jalen Duncan. I have it number 56 on my board. So 56 on my board is not counting uh, the quarterbacks. And, of course, you know the first 56 picks aren't going to be the, the 56 I have listed for sure. So I'm hoping Jalen Duncan could be somebody – that gives you some tackle flexibility that might be there in the third round. Um, very good feet. Obviously, he's a left tackle. His pass protection is is uh, no problem at all. It'll be easy for him at the left guard. I think he has the quickness to be able to get off the line of scrimmage at left guard. He's got the mobility to be able to pull. He's got everything you want in a left guard as far as protecting your quarterback's blind side, the eyes. He's used to working with twists and stunts. And I think it'll be a pretty easy transition. Is he the best run blocker? Is he a maul blo- uh, a mauler? No, Jalen Duncan is not. But what he'll do is he'll be able to move. He'll be able to play in any kind of you know. You want to run wide zone, he can do that. You want to run power and have him climb, he can do that. Obviously, he's over three hundred pounds, big enough to do that. And uh, I really like him from a he can bail you out of the game at left tackle if you needed him to as well. Be your starting left guard. So 
Jalen Duncan out of Maryland, number 56 on my board. I'd say a sleeper pick. People would say, why we take a tackle? Maybe we're taking him to compete with Ben Cleveland, give him a half a year to get some muscle, get some used to the position, and have him take over. And also wanted to say what's up to my guy, Raven C. in the building while I have the microphone. Love you, Raven C. Always support you. Thank you for coming through and swinging by, man. It's great to see you. It's funny to me that you mentioned that uh, drafting a tackle while we doing that, maybe moving into guard, because lost in the 25 million questions about uh, Lamar Jackson during that one thing with Harbaugh, he mentioned Falele competing at guard. <laughs> I was like, what a mountain of a man on the inside. Peter, I, I see that you have a couple co- uh, prospects here as well. Yeah, and you know, the first guy I'll talk about um, would be the Ravens going a little bit of a different route than what Jason suggested. And I th- will start off with, I think it is unlikely that the Ravens would use their first-round pick on uh, Osiris Torrance. Um, but here's one thing, Path, I could see them going. We know that um, Zeitler is towards the end of his career. This could be his last year in Baltimore. When you look at that offensive line, you know, Linderbaum had a strong rookie year, um, but do we feel strong enough with that line with Stanley, who's obviously already set as an all pro and Linderbaum as basically your two, you know, plus guys on that, that line, your, your two borderline pro bowl uh, talents. You know, we've had Yonda there and Zeitler has been a pro bowl guy. So I could see them going the route if like in, in a world where, where somehow all the cornerbacks are gone. Highly unlikely, but, you know, uh, you, you could see them going for Torrance. And, I mean, this guy is a physical freak, 6'5", 347, um, was right guard for Florida, helping in that offensive line, keeping Anthony Richardson safe. And this guy, you watch his, his tape, and, and guys aren't moving him at the college level. I think he's got really good footwork, good power. Um, now, sometimes you do see him get – beat a little bit by more athletic pass rushers and doesn't, um, you know, make up for that as best as he could all the time. But I think that's something that could, that's coachable. Just he's a guy who's just a a freak athlete and a technician and someone I think is going to be a stud player at the next NFL level. Um, little bit of shades of Kalecio Semele maybe in his game, but yeah, again, not something I th- route the Ravens, I think, are likely to take, but it is something that I think is a possibility given Zeitler's age and how we know that the Ravens really like to have um, multiple studs on the offensive line. So if they take a guard over a receiver or a corner, man, Chris, <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't like it. I, I just don't like it. Uh, I think we can get a good starting guard with a future in, in the third round. But, uh, yeah, Torrance, though, to your point, Peter, just a dominant mauler type. And he's just – like his body's so big, he's hard to get around. I mean, he has a little problem with quickness, but he's long, wide. Like, I think that he'd be fine once he adjusted the speed to the NFL to be able to be your stud guard, which is your right guard going up against the three tacks all the time. There's dominant defensive linemen. He's definitely got a future in this league. Um, but yeah, Alec, well, if we pick a, a right guard over a receiver or corner in the first round, I, I think that would be pretty terrible. 
Yeah, I think that would fall real flat in the flock. And honestly, I think even for the team. I think there's just, some wide receivers you wouldn't mind just taking him over, though. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, there's some, yeah, but like in, in a And again, like world. I said, it's not something I'm pulling for. I'm just saying I could see, you know, there's a low probability, maybe like a 2% chance that could happen. I'm just saying, I think So I think that, the way it happens, Peter, you kind of mentioned it. What if, if we trade back? Let's say we trade right. back aggressively. Yeah. And we're like, like, we got like 40 and 45, which I know aren't actual picks, I think. But like, you know. For, for context, we're like training way back, and yeah, then, then the corners could be gone. They very well could be gone. And then, oh, the wide receivers you like are gone. Uh, <laughs> and Raven CD, uh, yeah, me, me too. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to pull my hair out. But, you well, know, I'm, hey, Alec, I, I can see it. Look, we trade back. We got two second-round picks. We get our guard of the future, and we get Tank Dell or Jonathan Mingo or some of our other favorites. I mean that wouldn't be that wouldn't be too bad, you know. It's not crazy. Away, yeah, yeah. If we come away with our first pick in '85 right. as a guard, no, though. None of us last year were talking about Hollywood getting traded and and that's getting Linderbaum. <laughs> you know, weird things yeah. happen on draft night, for sure. And you know, we didn't really get into it on this show, but I, there are a couple guys I even like in the later rounds at corner. So there is a good draft. There are players. You know, we got uh, guys like Darius Rush. I'll have to bring him up again. Who's a, uh, big prospect. You got um, Julius Brents, Tyreek Stevenson. These are some guys I would love to see the Ravens draft later on too. So these, there, there are some players in later rounds for, for corner where we could address that need as well. But I went, I went spelunking, guys. I went looking between the last two shows for a guard co- uh, prospect I could bring up. I haven't heard this guy brought up anywhere. And I have to admit, I found him completely based off arm length. But McClendon Curtis out of Chattanooga. I went and watched this film and his eyes are not the best, but his frame is the best. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, you get in that with our uh, offensive line coach, you don't put any expectations on him to start year one, but he could be a developmental guy that could be interesting. So I just like was lo- watching him. I was like, he definitely has the traits, but I'm not sure if he has the processing, the eyes. You see him do a lot of pulls. He's not always fully successful. So I'm just like a little concerned and I'm not at all like, you know, put in my stamp of total approval, but he, he caught my attention. <laughs> so, so Chris, what do you think about Alec trying to be the big brain on campus? <laughs> yeah. A guy from a division two school as a late round draft fire. I'm, I'm actually pretty impressed with Alec for finding McClendon Curtis, who doesn't even register on the pro football reference, college football reference. Cause he doesn't have <laughs> uh, a division one status, but yeah, he's got like, he's like this huge guy with like long arms and, he just looks like a beast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I got, I got to be honest. I, um, you know what? I actually, I saw a little bit of film from him too, from doing um, interior offensive line on our show. Um, I didn't have a ton of notes on him, but I, I did note the hardest thing for me, I think, when looking at uh, offensive linemen is just finding the right like body types, because it's like that is probably one of the. Um, you know, closest physical traits that I know of, of like, where does that project, right? You can be really tall. You're not going to, and you could play in the interior, like a guy like, um, I just had his name, like uh, uh, Joe Tittman's like six, six, and he weighs like three seventeen. He plays center. He also has 32 inch arms. That's just not a great combination of like, there are just some physical combinations that are just not going to be great fits for certain positions. And I tell you what, man, I've looked at a ton of interior linemen and there were guys like, you know, played well on tape and stuff. But I'm, when I'm looking at where they're going to project in the NFL, 
it was just really hard. Like either the guys was like too small, didn't weigh enough, like wasn't tall enough, the arms weren't right. And uh, the guy with uh, Mr. McClendon over here, like, yeah, the dude is built like a professional, like right guard. Like he's a beast. Just seeing some of the like power that he has, like push guys over when he does land is amazing. Like, you know, you'd want to see that. So um, I I don't mind it. You know, there are a couple guys on here. You know, one guy I really liked was Ricky Stromberg out of Arkansas. Honestly, if we didn't have uh, we didn't have our center from last year, then you know I'd say maybe we take a shot because he seems like a decent center, or at least somebody kind of developed there. But I just don't see his body type as being like the guard center combination. Uh, maybe I don't. Maybe the Ravens might see it. But if we want a guy that you know, like we're talking about, we want to replace Zeitler for the coming years. I wouldn't mind taking a flyer in McClendon. I think it's a. I think it's a good. I think it's a good pick, Alec. So Alec. My buddy Mark brought up Jarrett Patterson. I believe his first name is Jarrett out of Notre Dame. Wanted to ask if any of you guys know anything about Patterson. Mark, he's somebody that I have to take another look at because I got to be honest with you. I watched the senior bowl. I wasn't real impressed. I kind of like darked him out early because I already had like 25 interior offensive linemen I was looking at. But he's a guy, Mark, quite honestly, he might be on my board. And he might be in the draftable range uh, by the time I'm finished because, man, everybody else seems to like him. And whenever everybody else seems to like him, it doesn't mean I'm going to just be a sheep and just go along with everybody. But Peter, it means I, you know, to me, it feels like I should, I should take another look at him. Yeah. And uh, I'm in that same boat with you as well. I, <laughs> he's someone I need to take a better look at as well, but I mean, yeah, I mean, like you're saying, uh, there's a lot of good minds in the flock. A lot of people who are, are watching stuff on YouTube, a lot of people who know stuff. So yeah, if, if a lot of guys are bringing him up, definitely someone I think we should take a deeper look at. Well, I guess the next uh, position group is inside linebackers. And I know that we had a nice conversation about it on our show last week, but I'm really excited to hear what uh, Jason has to say about this group. Yeah, my red star guy was was pretty easy on this one. His name is Dayon Henley. He plays Washington State, so Pac-12 guy. Um, I would just say I love him. I mean, you know, people will knock him for his age. I think he's like 24 years old, so he's an older rookie, still feeling the effects of COVID and shutting down seasons and half seasons and guys wanting to prove themselves. But, um, I mean, there's really nothing that I see on tape that he doesn't do well. You're talking about... Uh, like his calling card is his coverage. So number one, if you're a guy a coach, like I'm thinking John Harbaugh, he showed his willingness to play Patrick queen 100% of the snaps last year next to Roquan. He likes having two inside linebackers on the field. Not always a dime guy. He was when we had Chuck Clark. Will he be now? I don't know, but Dayon Henley's co- calling card is being able to cover. He reminds me almost of, of Bowser. But just imagine an inside linebacker who can match up on tight ends, break up passes, intercept passes, love Dayon Henley. And then from the run defense, uh, when the action comes towards him, he's very long-armed. He's got the skills. And he doesn't just have long arms. He uses them. Stack, shed, physicality. You can see him scrape down the line and make plays. Just a high IQ player. He's got the physical build. He's got the mindset. Um, I think people are seriously sleeping on this guy. So Dayon Henley, yes, he is my he is my red star player by far um, at inside linebacker. And just going through now, I have him at the top of the draftable list. 
you know, I would put him higher, but I don't think that I need to. He's number 90 on my board, and that's considering that as of now, the Ravens already have two inside linebackers. Would that change on draft day and change my board? If Patrick Queen's traded, of course. But uh, to have an inside linebacker who's not highly touted by others, number 90 on my board says something, Alec, about how much I just love Dayon Henley's game. If you're not familiar with him, watch a little highlights, watch a game of him, and you can see just the timing he has in all phases. Uh, the run game, he knows when to shoot his gap. He knows how to blitz. Uh, he knows when to take off, take on a block and shed. He knows when he doesn't have time to shed, he'll just blow up that block with his shoulder. And, of course, outstanding in coverage. Maybe he's topped out. Maybe, you know, 24, 25, this is as good as he gets. To me, it's NFL starting will. For sure. I like that guy, too. We talked about him on last week's show. I'll bring up another guy that I'm kind of keen on as well is Overshone out of Texas. He's at that rangy high motor skills. And also, he was a special team standout. So we know the Ravens like that. He used to be a safety, so he's better in coverage. And that's a, always a trait that I'm a keen on. I'm always talking about getting these inside linebackers off the field, getting a safety in. So I'm going to just get a, a guy masquerading as inside linebacker as uh, my next draft pick. I see Peter has two guys up here too. Yeah, we know that's that's what you're all about, an interior linebacker. <laughs> the more safety, the better. <laughs> but yeah, another, another good pick. I, I like both the guys you picked. Um, another guy I'm going to throw out here, um, you know, we're talking about Patrick Queen. How much longer is he with the organization? You know, even if he's not traded on draft day, how much longer is he here? It's, it's likely that with what we gave Roquan, we're not going to be giving money to Queen. And there's a... Uh, a guy in here, this draft class, Drew Sanders from Arkansas, transfer from Alabama, who reminds me a lot of, of Queen, uh, 6'5", 230, uh, really came on this past season with nine and a half sacks and three force fumbles. Uh, you look at his tape, a lot of things that we like about Queen, uh, this guy does. Uh, you, you see him, he's got a quick step to the rush, is in the backfield plenty, uh, can cover some. That's a part of this game you'd like to see more of, but... Uh, the foundations are there. Uh, has about a, a second round grade. We'll see if he could f- fall to the third if that's where they want to go. But you know, it, it would kind of uh, you know address two things at once: a potential replacement for Queen, and also a guy who can rush on the edge if you need him to do that. So uh, Sanders definitely a guy that I'm intrigued with, and it would be uh, I think a good fit on this defense if they want to go that direction. So, Alec, uh, you want to bring up, address Jeremiah's comment here. Um, highly against the Queen trade, will linebackers arguably more important than Mike in his opinion? And Roquan should have nothing to do with extending Queen. So, Jeremiah is saying that Queen's play stands on its own. And, um, you know, we should not consider trading uh, as well as Roquan and Queen played last year. We should not give them up for, uh, I'm guessing, Jeremiah, if they knocked you over with a first-round pick you probably take it, but we're not getting that. So Jeremiah is saying, ride Queen out, take the comp pick, maybe, um, you know, when it comes, but don't be in a hurry to trade Patrick Queen, Alec. It really comes down to how you value those draft picks and, and what kind of draft pick you get in. I think if you get a second-round pick, I'm really hard-pressed not to trade Queen at that point. I think I would do it. And um, that's just because you've reset the clock. Even You could basically almost get your pick of inside linebacker, in my opinion, with a second-round pick, and – reset the clock you maybe even could get sanders 
that Peter was just mentioning. Now, if it's a third round pick, I could definitely see waiting because you're looking at getting a third round pick or a fourth round pick as his comp pick. And that extra year of play next to Roquan, when you're trying to win a Super Bowl this year, you know, maybe Lamar's playing on the tag and then who knows what happens next. And you got OBJ on a one year contract. You're all in on this season. I can totally get it and I can respect it. The only thing is, like I said on our last show, you got to look at it as the Ravens making an in season trade to keep Queen. Like it's like the opposite of the in-season trades that we normally think of when we use a third-round pick to get a good player. You got to think about it as the opposite with Queen. And I'm not saying it's a bad idea. I just it, that's the way I'm looking at it. I don't know, Chris. You have any uh, thoughts on that? And you, you want to talk about a, a player that you like in inside linebacker? Uh, I was gonna say I feel like you guys have talked about all the players. I mean, I'm I'm a Jeremiah though. Like I'd rather keep Queen uh, at this rate. Like I, I think the value of uh, you know formula I think makes sense. Um, you know, I just. I would have a hard time knowing with the NFL right now, just seeing that many teams value him that highly in terms of giving up draft capital and then having to re-sign him. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it would make more sense for the Ravens to keep him for at least next year. I mean, then they have the fifth year option still. Like um, he was playing pretty good even before Roquan. And I, I think, I, I think it's going to be hard to, to find somebody uh, particularly when we like took forever to find Roquan to finally like solidify the linebacker room. Like don't be in a rush to, to ruin the room. Fair that's, enough. I think that's a really good point that Chris uh, brought up. Um, something I think we have to uh, remember when we're talking about these draft day trades, uh, all the players that have been traded, including Chuck Clark this year, you know, Orlando Brown, Hayden Hurst, uh, Hollywood Brown, they want it out. We don't have any knowledge that, that Queen does, and I think that the Ravens have to be careful there from a, from a locker room standpoint, like we're saying, from a standpoint of, of players wanting to come here, you know, to, to keep the guys who, who want to play. Now, maybe Queen can see the writing on the wall. Maybe he knows some things that we don't know that they're definitely out on, you know, extending him, or, excuse me, giving him a new contract. And, and maybe he wants a, a fresh start at that point. We don't know. I mean, you know, there's nothing that's been in the news that has suggested any of that. But yeah, I, I think, who was it? He said it in the comments. Uh, was it Mark? Mark saw a comment. Yeah, yeah, I think this is this is spot on. You know, all chips on the table, can't afford rookie mistakes. Like, we've seen a lot of progress from Queen. Sure, we can nitpick his game. There's some things that he still struggles at. But, you know, we, we've put the investment in this guy. Let's try and win a Super Bowl with the best possible defense we have, especially with not really knowing what's going on with quarterback, not knowing if, you know, the contract drama, even assuming we have Lamar, is that going to affect his season at all? You know, it, it's a lot of unknowns there. I, I agree with that. Keep Queen... And let's have our defense be the best version of itself it can be and, and take care of the future uh, in the next offseason. That's my take on it. I will say, Alec, before you lead us forward yeah. with our Red Star picks, um, I think, Peter, what you brought up is quite possible, though. I think Queen is heading into a time where he can earn a new contract. Um, if he's playing next to Roquan and Roquan's the mic and he's eating up all these tackles, you know, a, a team's going to have a question. Hey, Patrick Queen, why'd they replace you? Can you play Mike? Maybe mm-hmm. Patrick Queen wants to go somewhere where he can play Mike and build his value up. So, like you said it in passing, but I think it really could be true, like what Hollywood wanted to yeah. in Arizona, where Queen's like, hey, guys, you want to sign me? Let me go, because DaCosta was pretty coy when they asked him about picking up the fifth year extension was like, Oh, I got to talk to Patrick queen. And my BS meter went, Whoop. Like, <laughs> and like, I'm sure you've had conversations with people on your team. So I went and counted out. 
But I don't think the Ravens, uh, Alec, are just going to give Queen away for nothing. I mean, him and Roquan were magic last year together. For sure. And I just don't see maybe the, the draft day partner coming with a second round pick. So I, I can completely get why people are uh, not interested. I mean, remember, it took a second for us to get Roquan, right? So let's go uh, to Chris next. I think when we talk about defensive tackles, I know that you had a couple of players last week that you liked. Let's talk about your Red Stars and then we'll go over to uh, Jason. Yeah, I mean, uh, I said it last week, but yeah, Kalaja Kansi, I think, was probably the guy that probably stood out the most to me. Um, if he fell to 22, I'd be all about it. Um, kind of what you know Jason was bringing up earlier with Forbes of um, not typically a guy, or actually, I'm sorry, it was probably Tank Dell. It's Tank Dell you brought up. Not typically a guy the Ravens would go for in that position group, a wide receiver. Same thing with defensive tackle. Kansi is 280 pounds, um, not your typical guy. Even like, you know, I'd say... Uh, Metabuke is kind of small, but he's not that small. Um, but the guy is just a monster. Um, you know, his biggest comp is a guy who also played a pit, who also was very undersized, was Aaron Donald. Um, now, I'm not saying he's going to be Aaron Donald, but I mean, just looking at the tape, my gosh, he can do a lot of things like Aaron Donald did when he was also playing a pit. Uh, just a pass rush machine, uh, very physical, just always like knocking off guys and be able to get to the ball. Um, he's a player that I would be really excited to kind of just like build around the defensive line and it provides something a little bit different than what we have um a safer pick which you know i'll admit on our show like i wasn't super high on but i know he's kind of uh fairly high up on boards i think is mozzie smith out of michigan first off it's michigan so i'm sure you know the ravens are going to be looking at him um he's a guy i think i think i said on our show a michael pierce type um honestly i think he's a good run stuffer i think he can take up double teams uh, some of the other guys kind of looking at the uh, defensive tackle group, some of the guys like they can make plays, they're bigger body, but they don't eat up as many double teams. And I do think that is a value, um, you know, that you're looking for in defensive tackle, especially if you're going to be on the middle, not playing the end spots or, you know, edge spots or anything. Um, but Mozzie, he's, he can take up double teams and I like, he, he's got a little bit of pass rush. Um, he's not going to be the first guy there. He's not going to get a ton of sacks. But honestly, if you can provide consistent pressure up the middle, I think that's what you're looking for at that position group. Love it, Chris. And now, Kalijah Kansi is somebody that I dropped down my board because I don't see him as a fit for the Ravens. I think a 4-3 team will eat him right up because he's what you want for a 4-3 team. He, you tell him to take a gap, he is going to take it. Like the, I think the Aaron Donald comparisons are extremely unfair to him. But he's got that kind of lightning quickness where – he can, he can eat up a gap as, as fast as anybody in this draft. Um, but when I was looking at it, when I did my, my star player, um, Jeremiah just mentioned him, but he didn't type his name in. So I'm a little, little disappointed <laughs> in you out there, Jeremiah. His name is Adetamiwa Adebore. Now, there I just messed it up. Adetamiwa <laughs> Adebore. Now, Mr. Adebore out of Northwestern is somebody who has quickness as well. He can shoot a gap. But he's also got the skills, as Jeremiah is saying here, Northwestern guy with long arms is int intriguing also. Um, man, he's just a monster. And he first came on the scene to me at the Senior Bowl. So when I saw him pushing people around and looking like a beast among his peers, like, who the heck is this guy? I looked on the Northwestern website. They had him listed at 260 pounds. So I'm like, ah, well, yeah, he's pushing around guards. He looks real quick. No wonder he's an edge player. No wonder he's dominating these centers. So he shows up at the combine. He weighs 280-something and runs a 4.49. Now, that's, that's, that's what Jordan Addison ran, a 4.49. Four, 
Adebore did it at 280 pounds. Um, he reminds me of Matabike, Peter, and he's mm. just like he's an inch shorter than Matabike. He's about 10 pounds later than Matabike. So like, you know, density wise or whatever it's called, he adds up in shorter, 10 pounds later, same kind of just like cut body, same kind of explosion. Matabike, a guy, Peter, as you know, when he came out, well, he's more of a one gapper, you know, gap shooter. I don't know if he can, and we've seen his development here to where he's the ace on the run. Adebore is a guy that I see going in the third round, fourth round, and afterthought among, uh, you know, of course, Jalen Carter, Brian Brzee, Kalijah Cansey. I got him right there with Cansey. And it would not surprise me, Peter, if he went in the first round because he's got that kind of rare skills. They had him lined up on the edge at 280 pounds. He had a left tackle in the Big Ten with a spin move. It's the quarterback. I'm like, this guy is ridiculous. You're not supposed to do what he does at his weight. And if you can get him by and get that interior pressure, maybe he starts off as a sub rusher. Next year comes a more full-time role. Man, look out. I just love Adebore. Peter, go ahead. What do you think? All right. Yeah, I mean, Jason sold me on him <laughs> right there. <laughs> I'll admit, this is probably the position group that I just really haven't gotten uh, that deep into yet. Um, you know, just a lot of a lot of, of positions, man. Um, and, you know, it's one I feel like the Ravens are, are pretty set at for now, but you can always use more linemen. We've talked about that. So I, I certainly could see them taking one with one of the later picks they have. Um, I think another guy who might be there in the third to fourth round range who uh, is also intriguing from an athletic standpoint uh, – Kobe Turner, interior defensive lineman, uh, played his first three seasons at Richmond and then transferred to uh, Wake Forest for his senior year. And you watch this guy's tape. This guy just has a a really high motor. You can see there's multiple instances on tape of him uh, tackling running backs from behind as as a defensive lineman, 293 pounds. Um, You know, a guy who doesn't have the best pass rush skills only had two sacks as a senior there but you know you look at at what he did at his pro day and he didn't run at the combine but um he had a really strong pro day there i think that he's a guy that if the ravens took late kind of fits that developmental mode you know that they have with guys you know looking back at like broderick washington or arthur jones someone who give him a season or two in the uh organization could come up as, as a rotational guy, maybe a, a starter, a bridge guy before you get someone who's a, a real every down starter or could be an every down starter. You know, we've seen them transition guys from mid to lower draft picks and, and be a guy who's been there for a few seasons. So, um, yeah, I, I admit this is a position group that I have not researched as much as I would like, but he is someone that's standing out a little bit right now due to some of his measurables, due to some of, uh, his athleticism at the position that I see some potential there that could be a good idea for the Ravens in the later rounds. Well, Peter, I'll ping pong it back to you because I know that you like uh, the safety group. And uh, <laughs> for me, through defensive line, I'm kind of with, with everyone we already talked about. You know, I, I remember you know hearing about Chris. I've been talking to uh, Jason about these prospects and, you know, I didn't really have any new guys I wanted to add. So let's talk about safety and talk about your guys there. Sure, yeah. I mean, uh, Jair Brown, I believe is how you say his name, out of Penn State. Um, you know, again, safety is an interesting position right now for the Ravens. You got your starters set. We obviously drafted Hamilton last year, Marcus Williams. Now Chuck Clark is out. 
So we could see them, even though we got Geno Stone there, I think you need a little more depth. And and Brown is a guy who does really pop out on the tape from a playmaking standpoint. There's some shades of Ed Reed here with this guy with when he has the ball in his hands. Wouldn't be shocked at all if he's a guy who's watched a lot of Ed Reed tape. I mean, if you're a safety in the modern going into modern <laughs> NFL, you've watched crap ton of Ed Reed tape, let's be honest. But yeah, I mean, he was a guy, big play, big play time player at at Penn State. Um, he's got m- more of a mid-round draft profile. And, you know, honestly, with this with safety draft, there's not really that many guys here, uh, and particularly later. Um, you know, the, the big one is the, is the guy out of Alabama, Branch, who's a guy who uh, can kind of line up all over the field. He's, he might not be just be a pure safety at the next level. I'd imagine he's off the board by the time the Ravens pick at 22. And after just picking Hamilton, I, I understand that Hamilton wasn't really seen as a need pick last year either, but it feels unlikely that they, they do that two years in a row. But yeah, I, I think Brown has some intriguing athleticism, playmaking ability. Uh, definitely a guy that I could see the Ravens being interested in. Um, you know, does, is that need as high as some of the others we've talked about? Uh, interior line depth, uh, offensive line uh, in the interior, wide receiver, cornerback? No, so I don't think it's likely that we go that route. I think some team will be uh, intrigued enough by his playmaking ability before the Ravens draft him, but uh, certainly someone who, who is intriguing. I'm interested to see what his career is like, no matter who picks him up. No, Peter, I love Jair Brown a lot. I love your guy. Uh, I, what sticks out to me is his versatility. He yeah. can play high in the post. He's got interceptions from the post, like an Ed Reed or Marcus Williams, single high back there by himself. Uh, he's got a he's great blitzer, great against the run, just always seems to be around the ball. And always seems to be around the ball is a similar quality to the guy that I like. Same kind of principle here. And I wouldn't have thought that the Ravens would be in on a safety at all. But then there was the whole we're interested in Adrian Amos and I'm thinking, what the heck are we doing? So maybe we do pick one. The guy I like, his last name is also Brown. It's Sidney Brown out of Illinois. Um, Similar to Jair Brown in the fact that both of them are always around the bleeping ball. And as you know, safeties are used in different ways. They can be covered to tight ends. They can be linebackers now. They can cover slot receivers. Sidney Brown is a guy that you want on your team, a captain. Uh, Plays like his hair is on fire. Uh, The hustle, he's got like – when I, when I started looking at his interceptions, I wanted to see how he got them. And I'm like, ah, well, that was kind of lucky. Ah, well, that was kind of lucky. And then you start to realize after 10 of them that this guy <laughs> is just like hustling and busting his butt to the ball every way possible. You don't get those kind of interceptions unless you're running from the opposite hash to the sideline uh, like he is. Good hands, good eyes like Jair Brown. Uh, another guy I could see if, if he slips to like round five or something like that, he's going to be eventually he's going to be the best football player on the board. If teams uh, ignore the safety position, another guy I want to ma- uh, mention, I'm going to cheat here real quick. Jamie Robinson It's Jamie with two M's. If you want to look it up, it looks like Jamie. Um, the reason I like him is because he is a slot cornerback to me. So if whoever drafts him, they're going to put up Jam- Jamie Robinson safety. What you're really getting is a guy who can play safety, sure, uh, box safety, but he's really a slot cornerback. Reminds me a lot of Tavon, another high-energy guy, another fearless guy. He's like 5'7", not bulky, 
Um, and the way he's able to weave in and out of blocks and avoid blocks in, uh, in the box is, and find the ball carrier is really impressive. But what sticks out with Jamie Robinson is his ability to cover small, quicker targets. So you're talking about going up against Deontay Johnson. You're talking about going up against Amari Cooper. Uh, you're talking about going up against Tyler Boyd. Jamie Robinson is every bit as quick to be able to keep up with those guys and keep Hamilton in his safety position. So I'm going to cheat and take two safeties. Like I feel like I got too many on my board, but all of them play different roles. They're not just like a free safety and strong safety anymore. They're linebackers. They're slot corners. For sure. And I want to bring up the comment from Jeremiah, just kind of talking about how uh, kind of fits with my belief is that I, I think this is a need for the Ravens. Safety is a need mostly because – until we figure out who our slot corner is, it could still be like behoove us to have Kyle Hamilton play that position, have Geno Stone be a safety back there. And then suddenly, you know, we're really thin at safety. There's no one left. So I think the Ravens need to add a safety one way or the other, be it a late round guy or an undrafted free agent. Who that guy will be, I'm not 100% sure, but I do fully expect the Ravens to address his position one way or the other. Uh, before we move on, I wanted to say, Chris, do you have any uh, safeties you want to bring up? No, not really. I was just going to say I feel like this position group as a whole is just a little bit weaker than maybe it was last year. But I love hearing, you know, Jason and Peters and everyone's kind of opinions on some of the guys like later in this draft class. So I feel like that's that's going to be where you're going to find some of these gems is looking at a lot of the tape of, of some of these guys who are like, you know, you're not going to be at the top of the board. So I'm looking forward to it. Whoever, you know, whoever the Ravens end up taking or, you know, whether they don't. Um, I'm looking forward to it because I feel like there's got to be like one or two of these guys that are going to be good long term, but it's just from a class that is just as a whole, I think is just kind of weak. Yeah. Well, to piggyback on what, what, what Chris just said, you can wait probably undrafted and one of these dudes is going to slip through like Jason, you want to feel old, man. We got Marvin Harrison Jr. coming out next year. Yeah. We got uh, Joey Porter Jr. Um, how about Jason Taylor Jr.? Um, oh, wow. In this draft. <laughs> Uh, and he's a pretty darn good uh, free safety with not great athletic skills. So kind of like the opposite of his dad, who is an athletic freak. Um, but you want to talk about a guy who can, well, first note, he can walk and chew gum. Like he, <laughs> like he's got like three, four, five eyes where one's on the quarterback, one's on this receiver, one's on this receiver, and he just processes everything. So like to Chris's point, maybe it's an undrafted guy that comes in to make his team. It wouldn't be uncommon for a Ravens to, to get a guy – late like Geno Stone in the sixth or Chuck Clark in the sixth or seventh, whatever Geno was, um, and make them and have them stick. Yeah. Such a cool conversation about the safety class. I think like what you said, Jason, all these players being a little bit different now, it's all about finding the right fit for your scheme and the right guy that, you know, you can put in the right position to, to play well. Now there's no contest, maybe corners d- deeper, but the edge position is super <laughs> deep in this class. You can't even begin to say it's not a strong class. So we'll start off with Jason and then kind of go around the horn. Who you got, man? It's more like who I don't have in this group. I, I think <laughs> you set it up nice. Like, I just want to go over the first round real quick because there are five guys that I think could be in consideration, much like we talked about with the corners. You got Will Anderson, Tyree Wilson at the top. They'll probably be going in the top 10. Then you got a guy like Lucas Van Ness, who's a big edge. He can even slide inside. Just an impressive, impressive player. Most people have him going in the first 15 picks. Then you got the freak, Nolan Smith. Um, And then you got a guy, Miles Murphy, 
who was originally like a top 10 pick, but all these other guys started to like scoot up the board. <laughs> There's also Keon White, Will McDonald, uh, Felix and DK Uzoma. BJ Ojolari doesn't come until doesn't get mentioned until number 11 on my board, which is criminal because he screams Ravens will defender or excuse me, Sam linebacker. Um, so it's more like, I feel like I have my uh, edge edge players ranked properly throughout the board. So I don't have a favorite. I just wanted to simply say, I, I love this group and uh, maybe the Ravens do want a, an edge to back up Tyus Bowser. So you know, they love using, they'll find a way to use all four linebackers if they end up with a, a good edge in this class. Yeah. I, I think you put it best. Like, it's easier to list who we who we don't like. There's any one of those guys that you you mentioned. Like we'd love it if the Ravens got them. You know they. Uh, this is a stud class. There's so many guys, and you can't pick just one. And you know it's it's deep. There's a lot of guys that we can talk about beyond that too. Now maybe there's questions about the all around nature of their game. Maybe there's questions about you know do they need to put on some more weight to their frame. Uh, to be uh, uh, someone who's going to consistently win at the next level. But if the Ravens miss out on edge rusher in the first round, cause they go cornerback or wide receiver, there's still some guys I think that you look at. Um, one of the guys that's really stood out to me uh, looking at his tape, uh, really fast pass rusher, Yaya Diaby, I believe is how you say his name from Louisville. Um, now maybe not the best run defender, but this guy is, is explosive when he goes to the quarterback, um, he's a guy who has improved every year that he was in college. You love to see that. Um, you know, again, might need to get a little bigger at the next level, but there's a lot there. And another explosive guy, I'm going to throw two out here. Um, let me make sure I get this guy's name right. I believe it's Byron Jones from from Tennessee. Another it's guy. Young. With- Byron Young. Byron Young, sorry. Sometimes you get mixed up with the guys who have, you know, more normal names than <laughs> more common, I should say. Um, yeah, but another guy, a very quick first step, another guy who might need to add some more weight, but uh, you, you see his tape and there's a lot to like there, can go off the edge um, and not too bad in coverage either from what I saw. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's other guys too. We could talk a lot. Those are just two guys that I just really like their explosiveness when I watch the tape. Again, you know, I'd love to see the Ravens get more of a guy who's, who's you know, can, can check all the boxes considering, you know, we're still waiting out to see is Oway really that guy. Um, but, you know, there's, there's a lot here. I would be surprised if the Ravens exit this draft without an edge rusher just because every round you go, there's someone that you could take, you know, it's like at any point in the draft, there'll be someone there that's, that's worth drafting. This draft's all about edge for the Ravens. I feel like in a way, because we are always about best player available and the edge will absolutely present itself one, two, maybe three times in the draft as BPA. And it's just a matter of when the Ravens are going to pull the trigger on that player. I agree though. I really like the idea of a Sam linebacker coming in. Ojulari stands out to me so I, i'll put my stamp on him as a guy i would love to see in a ravens uniform yeah it's funny i think um i think i originally had adabore at uh edge just because some of the film that i kind of seen on him um it just kind of seemed more of a natural fit for for that position group um which is funny because you know i was all about cancy for uh defensive linemen but i i think jay i think you're right of like 
I think they're pretty much a similar player. So he's not really an edge guy, he's a defensive lineman. But uh, other than that, yeah, I feel like Nolan Smith and I feel like um, and DK Uzama, I think, are probably two of the guys that I'm kind of liking um, that the Ravens can maybe target a little bit later. But uh, yeah, I think I, I think between corner and edge, I guess I'm wondering like which which one is going to be making a run first. Is it going to be you know one of those two position groups? Is it going to be maybe it's receiver? I don't know, but it, one of these groups, I think, in the first round, there's going to be a run on a lot of them, and it's going to determine where the Ravens are going to end up drafting. So if I could, I'm going to ask a one-word answer from everybody. Maybe we'll start with Peter and go around. But um, you want it? You want a sub-rusher? You want a backup Sam for Bowser? Or it doesn't matter? To me, it doesn't matter. Peter? I go with doesn't matter. I, I liked what we saw with mcdonald in his first year of just how many different positions he wanted to put players in i think that just get a talented guy and the ravens will figure out the best way to use him doesn't matter but sam (laughs) (laughs) i I, I understand that (laughs) (laughs) like like it doesn't actually matter but i feel like that's not that i i I would prefer the question before the doesn't matter was an option so i'm gonna say sam (laughs) yeah i mean i've I'll say about a beacon cherry and I'll say this, I'll say rush. Um, and that's just because we've got Bowser. We've got, um, OA played a little bit of Sam last year, whether he's the best fit for Sam, another story. But, uh, but I think, you know, I think if you get somebody else at the rush spot, I think that helps too. So. Like it. Yeah. Well, we talked about all the defensive positions kind of back to back to wrap that up. So now we're going to wrap up the show with the offensive positions, all these positions are really interesting for the Ravens because uh, the ones we haven't talked about yet are quarterback, which we all know that situation going in running back, which is a fascinating problem for uh, the future of the Ravens. Very unclear. Who's going to be the running back in 2024 is 2023. The year that you take a player to start developing him for that role. And then tight end. We took two tight ends last year. The, the room is very full. Even with losing Oliver, uh, you could argue that the Ravens don't need another tight end but we'll start off with quarterback i mean i've said enough about ar15 that it's no it's no secret he's my red star here so i'll I'll throw out sense and bennett i saw someone uh saying that he might be falling off people's boards now uh and i don't know what's going on there i know peter doesn't like him so let me just ping it over to to jason what are you thinking i know you're not Big into the quarterback evaluation, so if you don't want to yeah. put your name on it, I have, nothing, I have nothing to say. Give me Lamar Jackson. <laughs> um, you want to draft yeah. one of these guys in the mid rounds to replace Tyler Huntley? That's fine. I'll look him up and study him afterwards. But n- no, no thoughts. I don't even want to waste any time on the quarterback. So I'll just pass it along. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think that's just kind of what the answer is because it's like if it's not Lamar, then I, I don't know what what we would have to say there because then it just comes down to, okay, well, what did you get in the, in the trade package for him? Where does that put you in the draft? And then, uh, you know, it, it seems like the, the top four quarterbacks are going to be gone after pick six in this draft. So it's like the only time way you're going to get a shot at, at Richardson is if the Lions trade for Lamar. Um, so then after those guys, like, there's not really anyone who who really stands out. You know, we, we've talked about Hooker in the podcast. We talked about uh, McKee. We talked about Bennon. We, there's lots of drawbacks to to those guys, as we pointed out. So, 
Yeah, I, I, I think I agree with Jason there. It's like we know that Lamar is obviously the best possible option, and if if not, then we got a lot of questions as to what the Ravens' next move would be. Yeah, after the OBJ signing, I feel like if the Ravens went out and got a quarterback round one, like that just like ruined any sort of uh, negotiation. I guess that already happened. Good faith that already happened from that. So I don't think it's a good idea. But yeah, in general, I, I watch a good bit of film in this class. I feel like outside the top four, I don't want anybody. I don't think any of these guys are honestly any better than what we have in Tyler Huntley. So, um, which kind of sucks to say, um, because I would like an upgrade, but um, I just I, I don't I don't think this class is it. All right. Well, I'm going to deviate a little bit from our sheet. Let's talk about tight end and end on a high note with running backs. I think that's going to be a spirited <laughs> conversation. And I'll just say one last time, I love Mr. Barker. <laughs> Give me some Barker is a late, late round guy or undrafted maybe. Uh, I wouldn't want to skip over any of the other positions in need, but if the Ravens can find their way to getting Barker on the squad, I'll, I'll be smiling. Just like I was smiling with Blakely last year. <laughs> Here it is. <laughs> is that your guy too, Jason? No, it is not. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, it's another huddled up films. Barker, <laughs> sorry about that. Barker did not make my board. If, by the way, if we didn't, if we didn't, if we had some kind of need, I would have more tight ends listed on my board. I only have nine. Um, my, I would think my favorite. If we were to add a tight end, I would think it would have to be somebody who could block because we have likely Kolar, Mark Andrews, obviously. So I don't think we want another pass catcher only to take up targets. Um, now, I actually like Luke Schoonmaker out of Michigan, so maybe it does happen. Maybe he gets the Ben Mason treatment. But I loved his blocking. If he lasts to like round five or something, maybe the Ravens take him. But I don't see the Ravens using a pick on the tight end at all in this draft. I think you can get a blocking tight end. You, heck, you can get Eric Tomlinson type off the street uh, to provide you depth. you got Pat Ricard on the roster who is blocked in line plenty in his career. So I'll, I'll throw Luke Schoonmaker out. He's my positional favorite, but – I don't think the Ravens draft one. I'll, I'll throw in actually Shoemaker and Darnell Washington. How about that? I'd also love a Darnell Washington. The guy's a total, total package. And when I did the show with Ken, he was like, I can see him being a tackle, which kind of threw me for a loop, but I can see it too, because uh, one of the scouting prospects was saying that he's basically a guard. Like when he's out there, he blocks as well as any guard. And uh, you could see it too. When he was at the combine, he just moved those, <laughs> those sleds as if they were nothing. And um, and he had really impressive hands. So I could definitely see this guy being a huge weapon in the NFL, but he's going to cost you. He's going to be some trap capital. Peter, who are you going to say? Over tight end? Oh, I thought that you were going to jump in. No, I, I wasn't going to jump in, actually. No, I, I will admit this is, this is a position group that I have not looked at anyone for yet because I think it is the least likely positional group that the Ravens will be drafting for. Not only did you draft two you know, tight ends last year, Obviously, you got, you got Andrews still there. He's under contract. I, I do see the argument, okay, Kolar and Likely, they're much more receiving tight ends. And Andrews can block, but obviously use him a ton as a receiver. But, you know, like, like Jason said, we got Pat Ricard, or you could get a free agent guy pretty easily. You never say never with the Ravens. They always do something every year that surprises us. But tight end to me, just it, it, it felt like a waste of time for me to scout them for possible fits for the <laughs> Ravens. Because we just... We, we got them. That's, that's the most short up position on the entire roster. 
outside of kicker, I guess. <laughs> what do you think, Chris? Did you have anybody you want to mention? Nah, let's move to running backs. <laughs> let's do it then. <laughs> Who you got for running back? Go ahead, Chris. Why don't you guys go first? Because I got a yeah. bunch I can make a case for. <laughs> and you're putting me on the spot for another position group that I personally did not review a ton of. Um, <laughs> I'll say, I mean, I'll say this. I'll, I mean, I'll say this This group was definitely interesting because I thought the Ravens didn't necessarily have a need here, especially with giving um, Justice Hill another one-year deal. But I will say, um, you know, it, it's like that's all in for this year. But next year is when things get interesting. So in terms of, you know, is are the Ravens going to pick up a running back who needs to start right away? I don't think they need to. I think you definitely should consider a guy – to develop behind maybe redshirt for a year um, because next year we're going to have some running back issues. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm really excited to kind of hear who you guys think. Honestly, I could, I could see a little bit of anything. If you want to have a, a Gus Edwards kind of power back, um, I'd be interested. If you want to have more of a shifty back, I'll adjust this hill. Like I'm interested in that too. So, uh, so yeah, who, who, uh, who wants to go next? Let's <laughs> yeah, tee it up. So, Similar to what we just said about Edge, this class is really deep for running back. And it makes me really curious why we, we signed Justice Hill. And part of me thinks the Ravens aren't afraid of carrying four running backs this year because you know how they love their special teams. Justice Hill got the little SP or ST next to his name on the, on the depth chart. You know, him and uh, uh, Delshawn Phillips and, and Welsh, you know, sucking up roster spots. So why not have a fourth running back? <laughs> and uh, to me, if I'm, I'm going to pick these guys, the two guys that really stick out to me are Spears and Evans. And uh, I mean, there's other running backs to like too, because like I said, it's a really good class. A chain is a wild prospect, but for me, I just love how slippery and shifty Spears is, how high effort he is through contact, and um, I could see how his. Uh, receiving would be a, a projection, but how it could also be there. And then with Zach Evans, he's super interesting to me because I wonder if he's going to slide. There's these like character concern issues with him, which I think are uh, baloney. And there's just been, he's been going on like shuffling between universities and programs, but he has good patience, maximizes blocks. Um, and if his medicals come out, all right, because there are some injury concerns and he can clean up his ball security. I wouldn't be surprised if he's one of the better running backs in this draft. So, Peter, who you got? Spears. Spears was my guy. I I, I really love Spears. I, I love his vision. I love his uh, playmaking ability. But, I mean, there's so many guys that we could say here. So, I'll throw out another guy. I think this guy will get drafted higher than the Ravens would have any, you know, want to draft a running back, uh, given the current state. But, um. And again, there's lots of guys I could pick too. I, I really like this running back draft. I think a lot of teams are going to get guys that they're going to be really happy with. Um, but out of UCLA, Michigan transfer, Zach Charbonnet, maybe. Uh, you say, that's how you say his name. Um, senior last year, uh, almost 1,400 yards, seven yards per carry, 14 touchdowns. Uh, just touchdown monster throughout his career. Uh, has really good receiving skills. He just looks like an NFL back on tape, in my opinion. Um, not the biggest guy, but um, he also has some good moves after the tackle. Um, explosive. There's a lot I could say about him. He's going to make some team very happy. I doubt it's the Ravens, but you know, if the Ravens are looking at 
not saying I agree with this move, but are they looking at not signing JK or, or Gus? I think he's a guy that could uh, come in here and, and make some noise. I like what I see f- uh, from him from the receiving game. We know that that's something that uh, we're waiting for, <laughs> for the Ravens with these backs, but yeah, I mean, Spears, I like Spears more than I like Charbonnet, um, but I, he's another guy that I find really intriguing in this draft. I love Tajay Spears. Uh, my spiel on him, you mentioned the vision. It's not just in the patience. It's not just vision as far as, okay, I know what hole I'm going through. It's the timing of him allowing his blockers to get there, seeing how his blockers are attacking the defense to be able to make the next move, have the next move in mind. And then he's got a little bit of a, a, a of elusiveness to him, Tajay Spears does. Not in like the shake and I'll spin you and break off three different people on the way to the end zone, but he sees you coming much like Lamar's gifted at. He sees you coming before you know you see him half the time um, and is able to leverage you one way and put his foot in the ground and take off the other way. So I love Tajay Spears. The guy I think that people are sleeping on um, is Chase Brown from Illinois, another Illinois guy. Mm. In fact, he's Sidney Brown's twin brother. So, I, but two of my Red Stars are twin brothers, which is oh, realized that so that gets me excited. <laughs> I think I, just, like, I went from six o'clock to seven thirty just thinking of that. Um, but yeah, Chase Brown. My initial notes on him: a lot to like. Pass catching back, power, speed is pa- probably passable, but I'm afraid he might be a four A player. So I loved everything about this player, but my concern was, ah, I don't think he's you know, fast or physical enough. I think he's just kind of a guy who's great at football. And then he comes to the combine and runs a 4-4-3. So I don't – I mean, I know it's a track event. I know there's a difference between play speed and, and combine speed. And I trust my eyes on tape. I do. I don't think he's 4-4-3 fast. But when I watched him, I was wondering if he was too slow for the game. And maybe that's just him pacing his runs and changing speeds and setting people up. Because like I said, heck of a football player. He can do it all. His pass blocking was good. Um, I like his ability to catch out the backfield. I saw him run between the tackles. Saw him run off tackles. Like I liked everything about Chase Brown from Illinois, except I was just wondering if he wasn't a good enough athlete to be in the NFL. And if you run four four three, I don't care if your play speed's a little slower, you're a good enough athlete to be in the NFL. So Day three guy for Chase Brown, I could see it, man. I could see it. He could, and with all these running backs being so so good, somebody's going to again, like we were talking about corners, somebody's going to slip to the fifth, sixth round, and he might be your uh, fantasy, you know, lead running back from the rookies next year because he lands with a great team and a great opportunity. So I would say, like for your fantasy players out there, just pay attention to opportunity. They draft somebody in the first five, six rounds. That guy, yes, he can be a starter too. I like this Chase Brown pick a lot. Reading one of his scouting reports, and uh, yeah, this the patience, kind of a good all round back. And like you said, if he has that measurable, um, one of his comps is Khalil Herbert. I like that guy a lot. So uh, you know, that's that's awesome. Peter, what, what do you want to say? Oh, just that uh, Chase Brown, another guy that also stood out on tape to me. So yeah. and. Really like what Jason said there. I, I agree with with what he said there. Uh, another really intriguing guy. Like you said, there's a lot. There's a lot here. It's a not a bad year to have a running back need. 
For sure. And this is where the trade back, I think it's, it gets interesting. You know, if the Ravens get shifty at 22 and they're like, all right, we're going to go to 25, kind of similar to what they did with Linderbaum, right? They got, I think they got 22 or 23. It was 23 maybe in the trade with uh, um, Arizona. And then they went to 25 and they got another fourth round pick. This is a, this is exactly the kind of exchange that the Ravens get that fourth round pick. Maybe they trade that one. They get two fives and, you know, five and a fourth next year or something, whatever, who knows if they can keep getting that marginal value and then they go ahead and, and draft a running back, I'm not going to hate it. And I just hope they find a way to get him on the roster, protect him and not have another uh, baiting situation. That's all I ask. If you're going to do it, you got to make sure you're, you're, you're serious about it, <laughs> you know? And uh, that's, uh, that's the only um, knock I'd have about drafting a running back in this current situation is we saw what happened with Beatty. Yeah. But so, uh, yeah. it's no yeah. longer irresponsible for the Ravens to draft a running back. It's not totally irresponsible. It's just like it, <laughs> I, I think give you guys like, some crap because that's that's what you uh you, you I said. Think, to me I think I think it's, I, th- <laughs> I think it's irresponsible if they don't get more picks. So that's why I was saying like they need to find more that's picks fair. if they're going to do that. What are you going to say, Jason? Before we wrap it up? No, I was just going to wrap it up on. I echo your sentiment on Justice Hill, and I realized that you know both J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards are free agents after this season. So this time next year, you could be looking at just Justice Hill on your roster. But, I mean, the flip side of that is you can draft a rookie or two rookies, or maybe you get a steady vet and spend a draft uh, choice on a rookie uh, and have him take up a lot of slack. It's an easily translatable position. We've seen it. It's not like a new trend for decades. Uh, You know, you're Arian Foster way back, I think, like, man, that's, what, 15 years ago now, all of a sudden, came right in and led the league in rushing. So, um, you know, I don't think like the Ravens are in a bad situation for the future if they don't get a running back. They could run with J.K. Gus and Justice this year and uh, and see how it goes. Maybe get an undrafted guy, uh, see if you can get him to stick around. But if they use, like you said, Alec, if they, they get an extra pick or two, um, which I'm not a big fan of hoarding picks for guys that you're not using, but if they did get an extra pick and, you know, Chase Brown or, like you said, Zach Evans is there in the sixth round, Shoot, you know, tell them, hey, look, next year we got no running back signed. Uh, so be patient this year. Learn the system. Get in the weight room. This is going to be your backfield to share next year. For sure. Well, Jason, thanks so much for having us on your channel. We really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. So uh, I guess instead of saying where you can find the channel, you're already here watching it with Jason. But if you're not here and you listen to it maybe on our show, what are you doing? We've had Jason on a million times. Go follow him on YouTube. Uh, huddle it up films he's the real deal and he'll be doing a draft show with ken mccusick it should be streaming on his channel and there's no better place to watch uh a draft in my opinion than these guys you know watching every single pick come through looking at the big board looking at trades a lot of fun i hope i'm able to be a part of it this year and uh yeah and if you're seeing us from jason's channel hey what's up you can follow us on youtube as well one winning pod and we also have a, a, a podcast onewinningpod.com and uh, you can follow us there too and your and your podcast players so we really had a lot of fun doing this show say goodbye to the people everybody night everybody football's family yeah bye <laughs>